open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, then there should be some in front of you in the, the back of the seats. Philippians 3, 8 and 9 is what we, we'll be looking at. And this morning we'll be considering the idea of exchange. To exchange means that you give up something to get something else. So this is something we do every day, right? We exchange something for something else. We might exchange our money for food. We think that it's worth it. We give up something in order to get something else that we want or need. When I was a kid, my brother, my friends, and I used to collect baseball cards. Any other, anybody else collect baseball cards when they were younger? Or coins or something? No collectors out there? There are a couple. There was nothing better than opening up what was small tops package. Tops is the name brand of the baseball cards. You'd get a piece of stale chewing gum, and then you'd get to go through all the cards and see what little treasures you got in there. When we were kids, we got together with some others, and sometimes we would make trades. We would exchange some cards for other, char other cards. And looking back on it now, I realized that if an older kid really, really, really wanted to, to trade with you, it meant you were getting a raw deal, right? He knew what he was doing, but maybe you didn't. He knew your card was worth a lot more than the junk he was trying to give you. Sometimes in the spiritual realm, we try to hold on to things that we think have a lot of value. And we're unwilling to trade that. We're unwilling to exchange what we have for what we can get. We don't want to trade in what we have sometimes for what God offers us. We want to keep our own ideas of our being a good person, that we are righteous in ourselves. We want to keep our hidden sins. We want to hold on. Maybe to the idea that we can earn God's favor and blessing by being good enough. In our passage this morning, though, Paul reminds us this is, this is nothing compared to knowing Jesus. Everything else, in fact, is rubbish, is junk compared to knowing Jesus, compared to gaining Jesus, compared to being found in Jesus. And when we refuse to give up ourselves, our righteousness and our sin so that we can gain Christ. It's like a man who refuses to trade fool's gold for the real thing. Foolishness. So let's look at our passage together. Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In our passage, Paul continues to share about his life and his desires before Christ. Remember, going through this section, he's, talking, he's giving an example of his own life. Well, all the things that he once thought were gain had become lost to him, had become nothing to him. He decides to give up everything so that he may gain Christ and be found in him so that one day he can also take part in Christ's resurrection, the resurrection from the dead. First, let's look at how Paul considered the things that he previously thought were valuable. Now, we've already seen 
this in previous verses. In verse 7, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And in verse 8, he says, I count everything as loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Then he adds something more here in the second part of verse 8. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You see the repetition here? It's, it's like he's saying the same thing, but each time he adds a little something more. He counts everything as loss. Why is he counting everything as lost? For the sake of Christ, because knowing Jesus is better for his sake. But Paul adds something more here to help us understand his point. Notice the words, I have suffered the loss. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. So that Paul suffered the loss of all things reminds us that this giving up for the sake of Christ is not something that's easy. It's difficult. As we already said, Paul once thought these things were gain. He's giving up things that he once thought were gain, valuable, worth a lot. But when he met Christ, he willingly renounced them all. He willingly gave up everything for the sake of Christ to gain Christ. He didn't just renounce it then. He renounced it every day after, continually renouncing the things of this world, his own self-righteousness and his own sin, day by day dying to himself and to the world and turning to Christ. Notice these things aren't just neutral anymore. They have actually become like trash to him. That's the word he uses, rubbish. The, he, the, the word in the English Standard Version is that, rubbish. The meaning of that word is actually dung or excrement. You, you see what extremes Paul is going to to show how the things that he once thought were gained are now utterly worthless to him. Rubbish. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. It's pretty vulgar language for an apostle, right? But he wants the Philippians to understand just, just how he sees things that he previously thought were gained. Now you don't go around rifling in the trash when you have all the wealth in the world. That's what Paul's point is. But now we come to Paul's point here. Look at the second part of verse 8 again. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that. Here's the reason he counted all things as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. Here's the point we must understand. Here's the point you must understand from this. If you don't consider all things as lost for the sake of Christ, you don't get Christ. If you don't willingly renounce yourself, your self-righteousness, your sin, the things of this world, you don't gain Christ. Think about marriage. Marriage is a lifelong promise and commitment before God and others between a man and a woman. Men and women, what did you give up when you decided that day to say, I do? What did you willingly renounce? You probably answered, I do, to a question like this. Do you take this man to be your husband? To live together in the covenant of marriage? Do you promise to love him, to comfort him, to honor and keep him? in sickness and in health, 
pay attention to this last part, and forsaking all others, be faithful to Him as long as you both shall live. When you promised that, you promised to give up any and every thought of loving someone else in the same way. You promised to forsake all others in such an intimate, close relationship. You promised that for the rest of your life, you would be faithful to your spouse. When a man stands before God, the reverend, and his family and friends and says, I do, he is saying, I am hereby counting as loss. Every other woman for the rest of my life, all for the sake of knowing you and loving you, my precious wife. Now some men and some women make that promise but don't keep it. And our world is filled with sin which has caused divorce. Some men make that promise and lust after women other than their wives. They have not counted all women as lost for the sake of their wife. Some women have made that promise and dream of what it would be like to have a different, better version of their husband. You know, perhaps some of us are still holding on to some sin or to things of this world rather than counting everything as lost for the sake of Jesus Christ. Spiritual adultery. You're trying to hold on to everything else and grab hold of Christ too, like, like when you come in from the grocery store and you're trying to put one more bag on your already full hands, you're holding the world and your sin and your self-righteousness and still trying to grab onto Christ. It's like if you have a handful of diamonds and you won't just pick up that one huge, precious treasure, which is Christ. Put them all down. Put it all down for the sake of Christ. Put them all away, and when you do, you'll find they were just pieces of trash compared to knowing Jesus Christ, compared to having Him. Count everything as loss, as rubbish, so that you may gain Christ. If you put it down, you get everything in the world, which is Christ. But if you hold on to the world and the things of this world in your sin, you gain nothing. And you lose Christ in the process. Paul willingly renounced everything. He suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish for the sake of Christ. Let's take a minute to explore in more detail this idea of exchange. Giving up something, forgetting something else. As we just saw, Paul gives some reasons why he does this. Why he counts all things as lost to know Christ. There are actually several several reasons. Some we'll see in the, the coming weeks. But here he says at the end of verse 8 that he may gain Christ. Now think about this. Paul is not focused on, on all the wonderful things he previously thought were wonderful things that he has lost. Rather, he focuses on what he has gained. It's like what Paul said earlier in his letter. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He didn't focus on how bad losing his life would be, but on how great gaining Christ would be. That's the opposite of how we do it many times, though. When, when considering death, we focus on all that we would lose. Our relationships, 
the enjoyment of the time that we have here in this life. We're so focused on what it is we would lose in death that we, we maybe can't say with Paul, to die is gain. And here Paul isn't focused on what he lost, but on what he gains, namely Christ. So go back to the marriage illustration. When a man marries a woman, he renounces all other women for the sake of his wife. So the man who has done this, if he's a good man, he doesn't look at other women and think, man, I really missed out. Look at all that I've lost in marrying this woman. No, in fact, in comparison to the precious jewel that is his wife, when he sees other women, he thinks, how in the world did I get so lucky to get this wonderful woman as my wife? I don't know how it happened, but I'll take it. In his eyes, his wife is the treasure, and he needs to look nowhere else for his joy and satisfaction. So, how does that apply to us, brothers and sisters? Becoming a Christian means that you have renounced everything in order to gain Christ. It means you've given up everything, all for the sake of knowing Jesus and gaining Him, and that nothing rivals our love but I can't help but think that some who call themselves Christians are more focused on what they have given up than what they've gained. Or maybe some who are considering Christianity are more focused on what they would lose than what they would gain in Christ. The truth is that if you find something, if you gain something of tremendous value, then everybody knows it, right? You can't help but tell other people about what you've gained about what you've found or been given. Like a, a woman recently engaged, what does she show off? Her big rock, right? It's like, a, it's like a couple who has adopted a precious little child. It's like kids on Christmas Day who can't help but talk about what they've received, about the treasure that they have gained. When we gain something of great worth, we can't help but spread the word about our newest and greatest treasure. For the Christian, this treasure is Jesus. And if this is the case, then why is it that we can't bring ourselves to speak to others about Him? If He is our greatest treasure, why don't our family and friends know about it? Why don't they know how deeply we feel about how valuable He is to us? question we have to ask ourselves, have we indeed counted everything as lost for the sake of gaining Christ? Are we holding back? Are we holding on to sins? Are we holding on to the things of this world? Paul suffered the loss of all things and counted them as loss. He continued to do so every day. This is, this is not just a one-time thing. This is something we have to do every day. Counting as loss the things of this world to gain Christ. We see something more in verse 9. He counted all things as loss in order to gain Christ and in order to be found in Christ. You may have heard me mention this before. I'll say something like, all those who are in Christ will inherit the kingdom of heaven. I may have asked, are you in Christ? What am I talking about when, I, when I'm saying, are you in Christ? Are you, have you been found in Christ? To be found in Christ means that you have been 
united to him in faith. You've been united to Christ. You've been connected to Christ. This is sometimes referred to as union in Christ. It means you're connected to him. Like Jesus said in John 15, 5. What does he say there? I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. You see, we who have trusted in Christ have been grafted into Christ. Like how they graft some plants onto other plants. I don't know exactly know how they do it. Maybe some of you experienced gardeners know how they do that. But they can take a plant and graft a branch onto a plant. A, a different, from a different plant, take that part and put it onto the other one. I saw in an article about uh, the, the tomato potato plant or something like that. It had tomatoes growing above and they had grafted a potato plant on the bottom and it grew potatoes on the bottom. Grafted into, they had become connected to one another. We who have trusted in Christ have been grafted into Christ. We've been connected to Him by faith. But Paul helps us here even more because he explains what, what one of the benefits to being found in Christ is. Verse 9. Be found in Him, and here's where he explains, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So look, there's one sort of righteousness that comes from the law. We could call this law righteousness. Law righteousness supposedly is that which you've earned for yourself, that which you have done by keeping the law. It's your own righteousness. It's yours. It's the righteousness that you have worked in yourself by obeying the commands of God. The other sort of righteousness we could call Christ righteousness. This sort of righteousness comes from God, not from man, not from our own wills, not from us. It's not earned by our obedience to the law. Rather, it is given as a gift of grace to those who believe. Christ righteousness. It's a righteousness that is outside of ourselves, that is credited to our account when we believe. Now this is called, here's a technical word for you, this is called imputation. Can you say that word with me? Imputation. One more time. Imputation. Have you ever said that word before? Now you have twice, right? <laughs> imputation means that the goodness of Jesus, all the goodness of Jesus, all that He did in the earth, on the earth in obedience to His Father, in keeping the law, in His death, in His resurrection, all of His goodness is credited to our account as if we had done it. His righteousness is imputed to us when we trust Him. So here Paul says this, I don't want to stand before God with my own supposed righteousness. I can't. I don't have enough. All the things I could possibly brag about are actually filthy rags before God. All of it is trash compared to knowing Jesus. I need His righteousness to stand before God, not my own. Let me see if I can make this clearer for you. Are you familiar with uh, the girl's toy, a little girl's toy called paper dolls? Has any of you ever heard of that? Paper dolls? I actually saw a newer version of this last week while I was on vacation. I saw magnetic paper dolls. The newest thing. 
So you have this square magnet sheet, maybe, with pictures of two or three princesses on it, is what I saw. And you have a sep some separate magnetic pieces that might be shoes or a dress or accessories, a special crown, maybe. And you can mix and match and give the princesses different outfits. Right? Now bear with me, guys. I know this is tough for you. <laughs> so with this magnetic paper doll toy, we could say that what we're doing is imputing different outfits to her. We're taking something outside of her and placing it over top of her. We are overlaying the dresses or shoes or crowns over top of her. If we could imagine ourselves as one of those paper dolls, our own righteousness, our goodness, anything that we look at and think is worthy of, of boasting about or bragging about, it would really just all look like filthy rags. All the things we think we have done, our good deeds, our kindness, even when we've gone out of our way to help others, all these things would actually add up to an ugly, dirty, sinful mess before God. Our, all our clothes would look like we just rolled through a bunch of trash. We'd look filthy in our own righteousness. But when we believe, when we count everything as loss for the sake of Christ, when we forsake our own righteousness to gain Christ, when we trust in Him and become united to Him, then it is as if God, it's as if God overlays us with the perfect righteousness of Christ. God takes Jesus' obedience, His goodness, His patience, His mercy and love, and He places it over top of our filthy rags and says, because of my Son Jesus, through your faith in Him, I now see you as if you had perfectly obeyed everything I'd ever said. This is imputation. This is the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. And it is a glorious thing. This is the good news that we, we don't have to stand before God in our own filthy rags, but we can stand in the righteous robes of Christ. And God says, you are my beloved child. And in you, because of Christ, I am well pleased with you. So the question is, how do we get that? How, how do you get this benefit of God imputing the righteousness of Christ to you. Because it's not going to happen to everyone. It's not given to everyone. It's not, giving, it's not given to those who will not turn away from their sins and renounce the things of this world. It's not given to those who won't come away from their evil deeds and walk in the light. These are standing in their own righteousness, or actually their own wickedness, lack of righteousness. They know they're sinners, and they, they, will have to, they will have no answer to God when they stand before Him on the last day. So if this is you, the call to you is to repent. It means to turn away from your sins, to lay them down before God in repentance. Why would you hold tightly to your own sins in order to lose your soul. Or as Jesus says, what gain would it be to you if you were to somehow gain the whole world and lose your soul? The call to you is to count it all loss 
All is rubbish for the sake of Christ. Your sins, your wickedness, the things of this world, lay it all down and pick up Christ who obeyed the Father, suffered and died on the cross and then rose again from the dead. Receive Him and His goodness will count for you. But there are others who won't receive this righteousness of Christ for a different reason. There are those who are confident in their own goodness. They are sure that they have done all that is required by God to enter into His kingdom. And I wouldn't doubt that there are some like that here today. You think you have sin whipped. You don't think that your sin is all that bad or that you sin all that much. Yeah, you, you, uh, you get mad every once in a while. But there's something worse than being a wicked sinner and everybody knows it, including you. You know what's worse? What's worse is looking spick and span on the outside. And as Jesus says, being full of decay and death on the inside. Cleaning up the outside of the cup only, only to know that the inside of the cup is full of sin and wickedness. It's hypocrisy. What's worse is when you're convinced that you're not that much of a sinner and that you're not that bad after all and that you can stand before God in your own righteousness. And the call to you, friend, is to recognize your own righteousness for what it is. Hypocrisy and filthy rags before the Almighty God. That's what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6. It says, We have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment before Him. Recognize the depths of your own sin, because really it's there. Heard it said, the more you grow in your knowledge of Christ and in your love for Him, the more you will actually recognize your own sin. Just how deep it goes. And once you've laid down your own righteousness, or what you think is your own righteousness, you can recognize and receive the righteousness of Christ given for you. Put down your self-righteousness. Count it as trash so that you may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of your own that comes from the law, but having the righteousness from God which comes through faith in Christ. I want to close by reminding you of a couple of short parables from Jesus. And just because I said I'm closing, don't stop listening. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 44-46, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Friends, when a man sees Christ for the treasure that he is, there's nothing he won't give up. There's no sacrifice too great. He only wants to gain Christ. Perhaps this is what the Christian life is. Learning and seeing and discovering more and more each day what it means to gain Christ. On an eternal pursuit 
to gain more of Christ, realizing more and more just how precious it is to gain Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would move by your Spirit now to convict us of sin, convict us of sin that we are fully aware of and we know and it's recurrent sin in our lives, convict us and draw us to repentance. We would turn away from it, that we would lay it down to gain Christ. Show us, Lord, the depths of our sin. And if we have cleaned the outside of the cup, I pray that you would show us our own self-righteousness and hypocrisy and judgmentalism towards others. Convict us of sin, not so that we can wallow in our own guilt, so we can look outside of ourselves to Christ, that we would gain Him and be found in Him. As we sing our closing hymn, Lord, we pray that You would cause us to respond in repentance and in faith in Jesus. In His name we pray.